Heavenly Father, thank you for a wonderful song service in which we lifted, lifted our hearts to you and praised you and thank you that you alone can save, but you can save and you have and you're faithful. Lord, thank you that you're faithful. We pray now, Lord, that you'll take your word and help us to take it to heart. Lord, I pray that we would leave here challenged from you and your word, that we would walk closer with Christ and be more like him from what we learned this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Well, <clears throat> it's Super Bowl Sunday. And Bruce called me earlier in the week and uh, said, uh, would you speak Sunday? Uh, I'm going to be preaching down in Houston, Texas. And I said, uh-huh. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I don't think he's going to get to go to the game, but uh, Dallas is not playing anyway. And So, <clears throat> I kind of like, feel like y'all did. Who cares? It'll still be fun. I want to uh, talk with you this morning uh, from what God says in His Word about envy and jealousy. Um, imagine with me, if you would, at work, the guy that everybody loves to hate. I mean, he gets all the breaks, he gets all the promotions. Everything he touches turns to go. He has a bigger house, a bigger salary, has a more beautiful wife. All of his kids are getting A's in school. He's just returned from a Caribbean cruise with a tan in February. He's just won the lottery for the second time. You're driving to work, and up, up front, there, there's ahead of you, there's a policeman's got somebody stopping, and you can tell he, he's getting a ticket. You get a little closer, and it's this guy. Yes, they got him. Welcome to the wonderful world of envy. In your Bibles or up on the screen, would you notice Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25, where it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Notice those words, conceited, provoking one another, envying one another are all put in that same verse. There's a connection between them. We live in, in a competitive world. Uh, there's two parts to envy. One is resenting what the goodness that God has done in other people's lives, and the other is ignoring God's goodness in our life. In, in today's world, we don't think of envy as sin. As a matter of fact, it's encouraged. 
Uh, the, the theme of most TV commercials is buy our product and people will envy you. We kind of like to be envied. Might as well admit it. We work at it. People buy nearly anything. Pay whatever it takes for people to look at them and say, wow, I wish I had that. We buy cars sometimes to be envied. But the Bible says that envy causes problems. Envy is kind of, I don't not just want my grass to be greener than yours. I want yours to turn brown and grow weeds. <laughs> Where does envy occur? Everywhere. In our home, in school, at work, even at church. The Bible is full of examples of envy in people's homes. Cain envied Abel. Jacob envied Esau. Uh, Leah envied Rachel. Joseph was envied, envied by his brothers. About once a year, our family in Texas has a family reunion, and so Lana and I try to go back every year for that, and it's a big group of people, and, and uh, there's a few families in our big extended family that, that uh, has made it big, but they want everybody to know they've made it big financially. <laughs> there's envy at work among professionals, uh, among doctors envy doctors, lawyers envy lawyers, secretaries envy secretaries, builders envy builders, preachers envy preachers. I was uh, working at starting a new church and working as hard as I could and trying to get things going and a, a large church came open, and um, uh, I had a pastor friend, uh, and they called him as pastor. And I thought, I think I even said, Lord, what about me? I deserve that more than he did. At school, students compare grades, clothes, boyfriends, girlfriends, athletic ability, appearance. The Bible says there's at least three things that's wrong with envy. One, envy causes conflict. In James chapter 1, I'm sorry, in chapter 4 and verse 1, God says, what causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, your passion, your passions at, are at war within you? I've seen best friends, relationships destroyed because one of them got a promotion or one of them acquired something, one of them achieved something and the other one didn't and it, it ruined their friendship. They couldn't handle it. When we were little kids, we used to pray, play king on the hill. 
Anybody ever played king on the hill? You'd fight your way up to the top of the hill, and anybody else tried to come up, you'd shove them down, you know, push them off the hill. Adults play king on the hill every day in offices all over America. Envy is wrong because it leads to other sins. It's, a, it's like a root of sins. In the Bible, in James chapter 3 and verse 16, God says, For where envy or jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be distorted and every vile practice. Why? Because if you are telling a story and you talk about something great that happened to your life, I need to have a bigger story. And maybe a little lie a little about it, brag a little, uh, exaggerate a little, because my story needs to be bigger than yours. Envy will cause us to gossip, uh, to be angry, to steal, uh, to commit adultery, uh, with steal somebody else's wife or somebody else's husband. Envy caused Cain to kill his brother Abel. He was jealous that God accepted Abel's gift and didn't accept his. Someone asked me, where did Cain get his wife? I would tell you if I was Abel. <laughs> Joseph's brothers were so jealous of him that they were going to kill him, but instead they sold him uh, into slavery. Jesus Christ was crucified by the Pharisees because they were so envious that the crowds were following and listening to him instead of to them. <clears throat> On the news uh, here in California a few years back, there was a high school girl cheerleader that lost her uh, uh, cheerleading position. Another girl was voted in, and the one that lost her position killed the girl that was elected. Her mother helped her. The power of envy will cause us to do things we wouldn't normally do because we can't tolerate somebody doing something or having something better than us. Envy makes us miserable. It ruins our happiness. God says in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 30, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Envy will ruin the joy in your life. It's like a cancer. If, if I go to the doctor and the doctor examines me and say, you got cancer, I'm going to say, doctor, let's have surgery right quick. Let's get this out of here before it uh, grows anymore. I don't want this thing to kill me. But we have envy in our life that is more destructive. Envy can eat your happiness away. You know, the, the thing about uh, envy is it 
makes us depressed, we, uh, we say things like, you know, this is not fair. Uh, why, why does he get all the breaks? Uh, why am I never lucky? Uh, why doesn't anybody ever help me? They get all the credit. So we have a pity party. Envy is something that God says to put out of our life. Get rid of it. But it's hard to live without envy in a competitive world, isn't it? So what do we do? Well, number one, we resist comparing ourselves with others. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, the Bible says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by themselves uh, or measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. Or God says, it's dumb to compare yourself with somebody else. Why is it dumb to compare yourself? Well, because if I look at somebody and I can do a better job than they can, then I get pride in my heart. Or if I look at someone else and they can do a better job than I can, I get discouraged. And either way, it it damages uh, uh, us emotionally. And so it's dumb to compare ourselves. Comparing ourselves is also the, one of the roots of envy. Uh, you get a new car, let's say. It's a, a beautiful color. It it's, has everything you wanted just like you wanted, and, and you're so happy about it. And you go over to, to show your new car to a friend, and they've just got a better, more expensive model with all the bells and whistles on it. All the air goes out of my balloon. Or you have a new house. And you've got it all decorated like you want to. And your friend calls up and comes, says, come over. I want to show you my new house. You get over there, and it's a thousand square foot bigger than yours. And it's got, it is, oh, is it decorated. Wow. Makes your decorating your house look like you got all your stuff at Salvation Army. <laughs> and so, it steals, it robs us of our joy, our happiness. God is saying, don't try to be better than somebody else. Just try to be the best that you can be. Just try to do your best. In the book of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. For you are serving 
the Lord Christ. You that are here that are saved and know Christ is your Savior, and you're serving Him, did you know that the Bible says that when you get to heaven, you're going to have an inheritance that eye has never seen, ear has never heard, and you have never imagined something as wonderful as God has got prepared for you. You serve the Lord Christ. Your inheritance will be your reward. You know, there's a joy, there's a happiness, there's a satisfaction in a job well done. But if we start comparing to others, we're either going to get pride in our heart because we did better than somebody else, or we're going to get discouraged because we didn't do as good as somebody else. So how do we get rid of envy? We recognize our uniqueness. I've been told that there's no two snowflakes alike. We used to live in Colorado, and we'd snow sometimes three or four feet. <laughs> I don't know how many billions of snowflakes, but not one of them are alike. Did you know that God says there's no one like you? That he made, made you just like he wanted you. He loves you just like you are. In the book of Psalms, chapter 139, verse 13, God says <clears throat> uh, through the psalmist, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame, frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately uh, woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were all written, every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Oh, how precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. This verse is talking about how God made every one of us just like we are. Because that's what he wanted us to be. God designed every one of us before we were born. We all have designer genes. There will never be anybody like you. So just be the best you can be. Glorify God for who you are. If you don't be you, who's going to be you? Envy is an expression of inferiority. Envy is saying, I don't like me. God wants us to rejoice in what we have and who we are. In Ecclesiastes chapter 6 and verse 9, the Bible says, Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. 
or you're better off being satisfied with what you have than always wanting something else. It's a myth that you must have something more than you've got before you can be happy. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 4 says, Then I saw that all the toil and all the skill in work came from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. This verse is talking about we work our tails off night and day trying to get ahead and trying to get something that somebody else doesn't have. We want to acquire more so people look at us. When, when you that have got kids, little kids will say, watch me, Daddy, watch me. Or watch me, Mom, watch me. In my case, the grandkids say, watch me, Papa. Adults say, watch me, by the cars we drive, by the houses we have, by the clothes we wear, by the status symbols. The desire to acquire is out of control for a lot of people. So ask yourself, will moving into a 1,500-square-foot house or moving out of a 1,500-foot square, square house, I started to say, <laughs> square foot, <laughs> into a 3,000-square-foot house double your happiness? It won't. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The Apostle Paul says, I can do anything that God wants me to do through the strength of Jesus Christ. But he said, I've learned something. Just to be satisfied and content at the present time. With what I've got now, with where I am now, few people are content. If you uh, have got straight hair, straight hair, you want curly hair. In my case, <laughs> as a matter of fact, you know, back when it was raining so much there a couple of weeks ago, I didn't even go outside because my hair would turn curly. If you're tall, you want to be short. If your nose is big, you want it to be little. If you're married, you want to be single. If you're single, you want to be married. <laughs> Paul says, I've learned. I've learned to be content. Do you know it's not natural to be content? You have to learn it. It's natural to envy. We have a sinful nature when we're born. 
when we get saved, Jesus Christ puts his spirit in us and we have a, another nature and we should live and walk through the power of the Holy Spirit, but we still have that old nature that is continually battling us to envy. My old nature wants me to envy or resent that you have something that I don't have. We all want to get ahead in this dog-eat-dog world instead of being content, instead of learning to be satisfied with what we have. How do you be content? Well, realize that we all have more than we deserve. Back in, before Christmas, my little brother, Benny, came out to see us, and uh, he was in our services. I don't know, some of you may have uh, met him. He has a daughter named Misty, and Misty, after she graduated from college, went to Russia and taught school for a year. She came home, and I was talking to her about the experience over there, and uh, she had stayed with a Russian family. And um, I was asking about the conditions there, and I said, how much did the guy make where you stayed? And she said he made $50 a month. I said, you mean a day? No, a month. Reminded me, uh, a few years ago, Lana and I uh, had the privilege of going to Israel and visiting there. We also, while we were over there, uh, spent a week or so in Egypt. Our tour guide was driving down the freeway, and we saw all these apartment buildings. They weren't like apartment buildings here. They were just square, concrete buildings. No design, no color, just concrete color. And they were, they were like, you know, 10, 20 stories high. And they're just miles and miles of them. And I asked the, the, uh, our tour guide, I said, how much does a one-bedroom apartment in one of these uh, uh, apartment buildings cost a month? And she said, about $50 a month. And I said, well, what does the average family make a month? And she said, about $60 a month. I said, no, wait a minute. That, doesn't, you can't, that won't work. That, the figures doesn't come out. You can't make $60 and pay $50 a month just for your apartment. She said, oh, it's not just one family there. There's four or five families in every one of those one-bedroom apartments. I said, huh? What are the conditions like? This was her words. They're horrible. Folks, We've already got way more than we deserve. God has provided everything that we need for our current happiness and joy. Too many people have when and then thinking. When I get a new car, a new house, or when I get whatever, I, then I'll be happy. When and then. If we're ever going to be happy... We need to learn to be content and happy with what we have now at the present time. Envy resents 
God's goodness to other people and the things they have in their life that God gives. And it ignores the goodness of God in our life. Discontent people are rarely ever satisfied. To break the grip of envy in your life, we must respond to others in love. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4 says, Love does not envy. Love is the opposite of envy. You can't love somebody and envy them at the same time. So the antidote for envy is loving others. In Matthew chapter 22 and verse 39, Jesus Christ said, Love your neighbors as yourself. Well, you can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. Because if I don't like me, I dead sure ain't going to like you. <laughs> if I don't love me, I'm not going to love you. But when you realize that God loves you, and he sent his son Jesus Christ to die in your place so that you wouldn't have to go to hell for your sins, by trusting him you can have a home in heaven and you can be God's child and live with him in heaven throughout all eternity. It's not natural, it's not easy to love your neighbors yourself. But it's the key to happiness. So what I'm doing, and I hope that you will do, is ask God to fill you with his love for that jerk at work. <laughs> or for that irritating relative. So what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? Romans chapter 12 and verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Envy does the opposite. Envy rejoices when somebody else falls or goes bankrupt. Envy weeps when people succeed. You know what? If the only time I'm happy is when good things are happening to me, I'm not going to be happy very much. But if I can be happy and rejoice when good things happen to someone else, when somebody else has a baby, rejoice. When somebody else gets a promotion, rejoice. When somebody else makes good grades or gets a scholarship, I rejoice with them. Somebody else gets married, I rejoice. Somebody else makes the team, I rejoice. I can be happy nearly all the time. So to break the grip of envy in our life, we need to refocus on pleasing God, not trying to impress somebody else. Change my focus to pleasing God. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2, it says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Look at life from God's viewpoint. God see th sees things from eternity. Get an eternal view. You know, you know if you can get God, God's eternal perspective, you won't be worried about 
what somebody at school said about you or, or what somebody did to you at the office. Uh, you, you won't be worried about the person that hurt you or lied on you, said bad things. You won't lay at night like I've done sometimes rehearsing over and over that bad thing that somebody did to me and just over and over, can't get it off my mind. I think about it and just retell the story to myself over and over and over again. You don't have to do that. If your focus is on pleasing God and not worried about what somebody else, why? Because what happened to me today, 30 years from now, it won't matter. It sure won't matter in heaven. Did you know that God says that he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth? And that this earth is all going to burn up? All the iPods and iPhones and cars and homes and clothes. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. When I make pleasing God, the theme for my life, competition's irrelevant. I don't have to worry about what somebody else thinks, impressing somebody else. But if I'm worried about the brand of clothes that I wear, the kind of car I drive, or the house I live in, I'm going to get to thinking, life's not fair. And you know what? Life's not fair. It never has been. Fact is, sometimes the bad guys win. Dishonest people succeed. Honest people lose contracts. Wicked, wicked people get in power and get away with things they shouldn't. But God says in Proverbs 23, 17, Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. You have a bright future, folks. If you know Christ is your Savior, you have a home in heaven. You see, the bottom line hasn't been totaled up yet. The last chapter of the book hasn't been written. God's going to settle the score someday. Because there's a heaven and there's a hell. The crime that people get away with they're going to answer for someday. People who have done you wrong, who have been unfair to you, they're going to answer for that. But because God is going to take care of that, we don't have to take revenge. The Bible talks about revenge in the book of Romans, chapter 12. And verse 17. And in essence, it says, don't ever do it. Let God take care of it. But if you're going to take revenge, God will get out of the way and let you handle it. And you'll make a mess of it, just like I do. Notice there in, in, in uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. 
for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsty, if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't try to get back at everybody and get in squabbles with everybody when, they, when you're not done right. So where are you struggling with, with envy? Is it in your family? Is it with a former mate? Uh, is it at school? Better grades? Made the team? Somebody's a teacher's pet? Is it at work? They do less work than you do and they get more pats on the back? Has someone hurt you? We need to pray that God would help us to quit comparing ourselves with others. We need to realize that God has a purpose for us as an individual. In the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, God says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are the called according to His purpose. Will you bow your heads with me? Would you, if your heart is in it, if it's real, would you pray this prayer with me? I've prayed this prayer already before I came this morning. Let's, together, let's ask God. God, help me to rejoice for others and not worry about what I don't have, but rejoice about what you've already given me. God, help me not to be possessed by my possessions. God, help me to learn to be content in my present situation. God, help me to learn that I already have everything I need for my current happiness. Help me to respond, Lord, in love to others. Lord, help me to focus on eternity. Lord, help me to realize that life is not fair, but you're going to settle everything on Judgment Day. Help me, Lord, to realize that Discontentment only causes more pain, but contentment brings joy. Heavenly Father, you can deliver us from the bondage of envy. I pray in Jesus' name that you will Help us not to compare. Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't have Christ as their Savior, help them to realize that without you, they're fighting a losing battle. It's only through your Spirit that we can do this. If there's someone that hasn't been born again, the, the Spirit of Christ, 
I pray, Lord, that right now they will open their heart to Christ and cry out to you for forgiveness of their sins because Christ died on the cross for them so they could be forgiven and invite Jesus Christ into their life to be their Lord and Savior. In his name we pray. Amen.